Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us online. If you would like to connect with us, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, and our website, which is heightschurch.org connect. Thank you so much for joining us today. With you this morning, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 uh, is where we'll be this morning. And uh, we appreciate you guys being here today and just the way you're serving folks here on campus and away this week at camps as well. So Ephesians chapter 5 is where I'm going to meet you uh, in a few moments. Um, if you are a fan of the 90s, early 2000 movies, uh, you have probably seen the movie The Water Boy before. And uh, there's a scene in The Water Boy where Bobby Boucher, who is in his freshman uh, science class, he's a star football player, uh, he is confronted with some universally pretty accepted uh, scientific facts that the professor is teaching that goes against what his mama has always taught him. And, and Bobby's core of who he is is really rocked in that moment because the professor is, is going over these pretty universal scientific facts and, and Bobby's having this conversation with the professor saying, well, no, no, that's not what mama always taught me. It's not what mama always said. I'm about to tell you something that may go against what mama has always taught you. And, and I wanted to give you that warning because it might come as a shock to your core because mama may have said something different than what I'm about to say. Here's what mama may have taught you. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. You do what you want to do. You say what you want to say. You act the way you want to act. See, mama might have taught you that. doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. You say what you want to say, you do what you want to do, you act the way you want to act. Now, if mama taught you that, mama's about half right. See, it, it really, there's only one judge that we have, right? I mean, the, the one judge at the end of the day that we all have in our lives is God. No, no one else judges our salvation. Uh, your salvation is between you and the Lord. Uh, in order to have entrance into heaven and have your sin forgiven, you have to place your personal trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. And Mama was right. No one's going to judge you uh, because that's God's job. But Mama was wrong on something else. See, it does matter as Christians the way we act. It does matter what we say. It does matter how we carry ourselves. It, it does matter what we do. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 that we are to be imitators of God. Uh, we are to imitate God. We're to act like Christ. Look in Ephesians 5 and verse 15. What does he say there? He says, look carefully at the way you live. 
What Paul's saying in verse 15 is, he's saying, watch yourself as followers of Jesus, as disciples, as Christians. You need to watch yourself. You need to watch the way you think. You need to watch what comes out of your mouth. You need to watch how you carry yourself. You need to watch the actions that you do, because he says in verse 16 that we need to redeem the time that God has given us. We need to walk carefully in front of a world that's looking to us for truth and then we don't want to live contrary to what God's word says. So what Paul is about to enter into into chapter 5 in this part of the letter that he's writing to the church of Ephesians, we're going to kind of really deep dive over the next several weeks and and go real slow through chapter 5, is about relationships and how we're to have spirit filled relationships within our homes, within our marriages, with our kids, within our friends, because it does matter what we say. It does matter how we act. It does matter what we think. And so Paul is about to walk us through this section on how to have a spirit-filled life as a Christian. So I'm going to invite you to stand again, if you don't mind, as we read the Word of God together, and we're going to pick up in verse 18 In verse 18, Paul writes, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's word that he has written to you. I'm going to encourage you to learn this word, love this word, and find life in the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we often pray for blessings, and we pray that you guide us and lead us But Lord, it's hard to bless when we're not spirit-filled. And so, Father, I pray in my life today and in the lives of my friends here and those that have come, that, Lord, we are filled by the Holy Spirit so our lives are different than those that don't know Christ, that we can live in such a way that points people to a hope and a truth that we have within us, uh, but, Father, that, that... lives lives that honor you. And Lord, our salvation cost Christ so much. Lord, help us to not take that lightly in the way we live. So help us to be those spirit-filled Christians this morning. Uh, You call us to be, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What does it look like to be spirit-filled? And Paul tells us, Uh, In verse 18, to be filled with the Spirit. But how would you summarize that? What does a Spirit-filled Christian life look like? Well, I I would summarize it this way. Uh, It's basically a Spirit-filled Christian is going to have a right relationship with God and then a right relationship with others. So to be a Spirit-filled Christian, I'm going to have a right relationship with God. I'm going to have right relationships with others. So notice how that's going to work. When that vertical relationship with God is right, now my horizontal relationships with other people are going to be right as well. So I have that right relationship with God that now extends out 
into the marriages, into the friendships, into raising children, into the workplaces. So now I'm starting to treat people differently. And in that right relationship with God, when I'm spirit-filled, I'm going to show more grace. I'm going to be kinder in my words, in my actions. I'm going to be more of a servant to people. Why? Because I'm, I'm spirit-filled and I'm having that right relationship with God that's now going to extend out to other people. But notice Paul tells us, as he often does, and he, he did this earlier in chapter 4, and he does it in Colossians sometimes as he, he ta- just kind of walks us through what it be- means to be a follower of Christ. Paul often tells us to stop doing something and then start doing something. Right? And so he uses language sometimes where he's like, put off and put on. And sometimes he uses kind of clothing language, right? put off this and put on this. So what he's encouraging you and I to do when he writes these letters and he gets to this point of of just practical application, he's saying put off the old self and now put on the new self. So stop with this sin, but don't just stop doing it. Now start doing this. So if, if there's sin in your life today, God, yes, wants you to stop that sin, but then he wants you to turn from that and start pursuing him. So it's kind of like a replacement thing, if you will. Right? Stop this action, but, but fill that gap with something new to do, pursuing God. And so Paul's saying, if you want to be spirit-filled, there's something you need to stop doing. Right? What is it in verse 18? He says, he says, stop getting drunk with wine. Stop being filled with wine. Stop getting drunk with wine. This is a culture this is a time where wine was basically their water, right? Um, they're not going down to the convenience store in this day and age and having the whole cooler full of water, right? Like you and I do. What makes smart water smart? I have no idea. <laughs> but I've seen the commercials like you are, and I'm like, isn't it just water? I don't, I'm confused, but, you know, they say it's smart water, so great. I mean... So it's not like you can go buy your smart water and your, you know, your, all the other water flavors that we have at the gas station where you just really like have a whole water section. That's not there. What do they drink? They drink wine. But it's also written to a culture in Ephesus where a lot of people are going to the pagan temples and they're being taught in order to interact with the gods, you have to get drunk. Right? And so Paul's saying, hey, look, stop getting drunk. Right? Stop getting drunk. Now understand this. The Bible does not condemn you or tell you you cannot have a drink of wine. It it doesn't go there. What the Bible is very clear on in the Old Testament and the New Testament is that drunkenness is a sin. So it's going to push you in the Bible to say, hey, stop getting drunk. That is a sin, right? So if you're sitting there and reading that and go, well, hey, I'm not a wine drinker. I'm cool. Okay, stop getting drunk with beer, right? Stop getting drunk with bourbon. Stop getting drunk with vodka. Just like insert whatever alcoholic drink is yours. Drunkenness is a sin. That's clear cut in Scripture. Why? Because when you're drunk, you lose control. You're losing control of your thoughts. You're losing control of your inhibitions. You are then filled with that alcohol under control of that alcohol. And so Paul's saying, stop. Stop getting drunk on wine. 
Let me take it just a little step further and a little bit of application. Stop getting drunk with power at work. Stop getting drunk with lust. Stop getting drunk with anger. Stop getting drunk with greed. What Paul's pushing you to as a spirit-filled Christian is stop getting drunk under the influence of something else that is going to control you as a believer in Jesus Christ. And notice what he says. So he's saying, stop doing that, but now what is the command? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, how are we filled with the Spirit? Well, uh, first, when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit indwells you. He fills you. But the way verse 18 is written in the Greek, it's an ongoing filling. Right? So it, it means this. It's not when God deposited the Holy Spirit into you and into me as believers in Jesus Christ, he only gave you half, right? He's not like, oh, okay, hey, you came to Jesus as a six-year-old. Here's a down payment of the Holy Spirit, right? Oh, you're a 14, you get half the Holy Spirit. No, no, he deposits the Holy Spirit in you. He, he indwells you to be filled by the Holy Spirit. What Paul's saying is to submit to the Holy Spirit, is to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's I'm obeying the word of God. I'm being led by the spirit. I'm letting the Holy Spirit govern, again, my thoughts, my words, my actions. Because it matters what we do as believers in Jesus. Two weeks ago, uh, we traveled to uh, Alexandria, Louisiana, where uh, Sandra and James and I went to Johnny and Friends Disability uh, camp, family camp, and Sandra was the camp speaker to the parents that week, uh, so we got to go and minister to about 20, 25 uh, families with kids with disabilities, and, and we had a, a fun week at camp, right? So on our way to camp, uh, it's Sunday when we're traveling, and uh, it's about lunchtime, so we're, we're right around the border of Texas, Louisiana, small town, I don't, I don't even really remember the town, but we're like, hey, you know, there's a McDonald's, and there's a Whataburger, you know? James loves McDonald's. We don't really love McDonald's that much, you know. Obvious reasons, don't need to spend much more time than that, right? So we're like, let's go to Whataburger. All right, you know, and he, he likes Whataburger as well, but, you know, let, let's, let's go to Whataburger. So we get in Whataburger, we're sitting kind of in the back corner, and a small Whataburger. I mean, it's, it's a small one, a small town. And it's a little busy, we order, we're sitting there, and we're like, man, it's taking a little while, but it's Whataburger, right? They're not known for their speed. So... After a little bit, the line cook comes from the back. And I mean, this guy's at least 6'3". I mean, I'm six feet tall, and I would have looked up to him. I mean, he's at least 6'3". The manager, the poor lady, she's probably about 5'5". Five, five. And so he's towering over her. They get into a fight in front of the restaurant. There are words that are being exchanged in front of everyone between this tall line cook and this little short manager lady that I cannot repeat in here because I like my job, right? <laughs> and I don't want this to be my last Sunday if I say these words. But I mean, there's just cursing, going back and forth. They're yelling. She eventually fires him in front of everybody. And she's like, you got to get out. You got to get out. So now half hour later, we're getting our food. And in that interaction, you know, they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they were filled with anger. They were under the control of anger in that moment. I mean, you could just see it. 
their body languages, on their faces, hearing in their words. It wasn't the spirit controlling those. It was anger that was dictating those actions. So what's, what's filling you today? What's making you do what you're doing? Is it anger? Is it lust? Is it jealousy? Is it pride? See, see Paul's saying we're filled by the Spirit. When we're filled by the Spirit, we're under the Spirit's control. We, we place ourselves under His authority. We're being governed by the Spirit. We're directed by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. Because when we're Spirit-filled, we've got the, the right relationship with God that's now extending out in right relationships in the way we act and how we treat others. Well, what else does Paul tell us to do? Because Paul says, all right, as a spirit-filled Christian, verse 18, uh, we are under the control of the spirit. But notice how the spirit-filled life starts living out. Verse 19, he shows us that a spirit-filled life in verse 19 says, we're going to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always in everything to God. In the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So a spirit-filled Christian, notice Paul saying, is going to be a thankful person, right? That's going to be a mark of who we are. That's going to come out of us, thankfulness. Uh, we could probably go over to Galatians chapter 5 and read about the fruit of the Spirit, that what's going to come out of us as we're under the control, the guidance, the leadership, the authority of the Holy Spirit, peace and patience and kindness and forgiveness, those are the things that are going to come out of us as believers in Jesus Christ. But Paul mentioned something I think is really interesting. I don't think we kind of think about being spirit-filled. What does he say? We're going to be a singing people, right? That's what he's saying. He's like, we're going to sing. We're just, we're just going to be people who sing. And, and he mentions all kinds of different songs, like we're going to make melodies and sing spiritual songs and songs and People are like, what are all those? And we probably could go back in the book of Psalms, and maybe that's what Paul mentions there, because there's all kinds of different songs in the book of Psalms. But, but notice what's going to happen. We're going to sing. It's just going to come out of us. Joy is just going to come out of us. We're going to be people that sing, and, and we're going to sing songs to God. And you know what we just did? That was part of worship this morning, that we came in here and we sang to God. That's part of singing. And we're singing to God, right? So we're singing songs to him. We're singing songs about him. We're saying, Lord, this is who, who you are. And we're professing this. We're, we're praising you for this. We're thanking you for this. That's part of worship that we do corporately. We sing as spirit-filled Christians. But watch what else is going to happen. Paul's saying in verses 20 and 21 that when we sing, yes, we're doing that to the Lord. But we're also ministering to one another which is one of the most fascinating parts of a worship service to me. And honestly, it's the most favorite part of a worship service for me, right? You would think, okay, wait a minute, you're the preacher, isn't the sermon the most favorite part of your worship service? No, it's the singing. I mean, I, I love this part, but what I love more than anything is singing with you. Because when we sing, we're together confessing this is who God is, but then we're ministering to one another as we sing. I mean, there's... There's a practice I have when I sing and I worship. Um, one is I just clap whenever I want to clap. That's just, I kind of feel the spirit at the moment. I just put my hands together and clap. It's rarely on rhythm. It's rarely on beat. It's at times when you're not even clapping. I'm just over here just clapping, right? And because uh, sometimes we just don't know what to do with our hands in worship, right? They're all over the place, but I just clap. 
There's something else I do, and I, and I did it during the song, Goodness of God, this morning, is I'll stop singing for a minute, I'll close my eyes, and I'll just listen. I'll listen to you. But because there's, there's so many of you that you've experienced hard times, and you've experienced tremendous loss, or you're in a very hard time right now, and as I hear that singing, I'm seeing your faces. And, I, and I'm remembering your stories. And I'm hearing you sing about the goodness of God and how God's never failed you. And I'm like, man, Lord, thank you. That, that builds up the pastor's faith this morning. And so thank you for singing. And what that does is that builds up the faith of others as you sing. Because they know your stories as well. And you're singing about his goodness even after going through all that you've gone through in your life and how Lord's never failed you and how he continues to bless you. And so Paul said that's part of being a spirit-filled Christian is that we're going to think differently, act differently, talk differently, treat each other differently. And what's going to come out of us is thankfulness and singing. But notice something else. What does he say in verse 21? There's going to be another action that we take as spirit-filled Christians. He says we're going to submit to one another out of reverence, or your translation may say fear of Christ. We're going to submit to one another out of reverence and fear of Christ. The word submit means to line up under. It means to arrange under. Uh, when you submit, you're, you're placing yourself under someone else. And you're doing that in order to build them up. All right, so, so you're, you're kind of going low, if you will, so you can build them up high. So Paul's saying what we do is we submit, in a sense, to one another as believers in Jesus Christ, finding ways that we can serve one another. So see, that, that spirit-filled Christian, there's two questions that come to my mind when you think about it. You can write them down. It's this. As a spirit-filled Christian... How can I ease someone's burden and not add to their burden? So if, I, if I'm seeking to be spirit-filled, how do I ease the burden of others and not add to it? Here's a, here's a second question to kind of work through. How do I serve others and not always just be served? So, so how, can I, how can I serve others instead of just always being served. So, so think about that. I was kind of trying to process this week as a church, like how do you submit to one another in a church? How do you serve one another in the church as a body, as a people? And yes, there's obvious answers like ministries and, you know, kids ministry and students and, you know, prime timers and mission trips, all that. Yeah, those are, those are all ways we could check off real quick, but let's, let's kind of go a little deeper on some stuff. I think we miss within the context of a church of coming together as people and, and figuring out how to be spirit-filled and love each other, encourage each other, and, and, and kind of line up under each other in order to build each other up that, that maybe we don't think about often. So let me just kind of give you a couple examples. Uh, first, we recently, about two weeks ago, uh, had to shuffle four different life groups into some new spaces. And the reason we needed to shuffle some life group rooms around is because we have a few groups that are, that are growing and they had reached capacity in their rooms. 
Uh, now, I know you and you know me that we don't want to ever go, well, hey, we're done growing and, you know, no one else can ever come. Like, we want to continue to figure out ways we can make growth happen. So we needed to shuffle four groups around. Now, when I say we had to shuffle four groups, that's not like just 10 people or 20 people. That affected 110 people in our church. It's a lot of people. When you put four groups around, that's 110 people we had to come to and say, hey, we need you to relocate because we're trying to position these groups uh, in new places that they can continue to grow as well. And so as a group, what you should desire as a group is to say, how can I submit to others, serve others, so that others can find what I have found in my group, right? That, that should be, in our life groups, that should be the number one question, like, how can we help people find what I have found in my life group? So, so how can I help the single mom who comes into our church that's just worn out find rest in community? How can I help somebody who's maybe battling with depression come into our community of a group and, and find joy again in community? Right? How can I find, help a new person who maybe wants to go deeper and get connected in the life of church? How can I help them find what I have found in my community? So that, that looks like we have to submit to one another and, and serve one another and, and just adjust to new spaces and new places when we need to do that. How about this way? This is probably a way we can serve one another that we often don't think about. How about as, as those that are younger, you know, for those of you that are younger, you don't have as many steps you have taken in your life as those that are senior citizens. Have you ever thought about that? Your, your step count is a little lower than the seniors in the room. So how about those that are younger, you can pull in the parking lot and go, you know what? I'm going to park a little further away from the building so maybe our guests and our seniors, they can park closer to the building because I don't have as many steps as they do, right? I, and I know some of you are looking at me right now, you're like, hey, I get here early for that spot. <laughs> you long less preaching and now you're meddling, right? <laughs> like you're just meddling. No, 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 I'm just practically trying to put this out loud, right? And, and maybe you go, you know what, I don't, I don't need to park that close to the building. Even if I'm here at 815, I, I, could, I could park a little further away. I could get that spot that's a little closer to, to, to a senior in our church or a guest. Last one, promise. This one's going to meddle a little more. You ready? How about when you get in your life group or you come in the worship center, you fill up the front instead of the back first? Whew. Is this a moment where I need to ask you to close your eyes and pray as I escape? Because <laughs> the eyes are darting. There we go. <laughs> what if you did that? Because sometimes new folks, I don't know if you've been new in a situation before, when they come in and, and there's, the front is open, and they, they have to sit down front as guests. They're like, oh, man, everybody knows I'm new, and everybody's going to look at me as new. And so what, what if we filled up the front in our life groups and our worship services, fill the front up first, and leave the back open for the guests? Man, that, isn't that a way to like practically serve other people? Not a way just to say, I'm going to submit and, and help you. Now, like, oh, don't, don't like peacock. The people in the front, two rows, like this morning, you're like, all right, all right, yeah, I got this down, right? <laughs> yeah, way to go, Lee. 
I will tell you a secret. I think I've told you before. Do the height of our stage and my height, if you want me to never see you sit in the front row. Because when I look out, I don't see the front row. I have to physically look down to see the front row. So if you really don't want me to see you, come up front. All right? I promise you. Those of you in the back that think you hide, yeah, I got you. It's all good. Paul's saying to, to be spirit-filled is to have a right relationship with God, have a right relationship with others. So, so the more I'm singing, I'm making melody, I, I'm submitting to the Holy Spirit, I'm letting him guide me, I'm letting him control me, I'm letting him lead me, I'm going to be that thankful person, I'm going to be that singing person, I'm going to be that worshiping person. That's going to extend out to serving other people. I figure out ways to help, line up under, serve them, submit to them. You know, we're about to take the Lord's Supper, and I was reading through Luke's gospel this week about the Lord's Supper. And you know what's really interesting about the way Luke lays this out? Is that Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, had dinner with the disciples one last time. Right? I mean, he has dinner with the boys one last time, and it's the Passover meal. And at the Passover meal, Jesus is like, this is my body, which is broken for you, given for you. I'm doing this for you. And this is my blood and the new covenant, and, and I'm giving this to you. And so Jesus is driving home the Passover to them and reminding them about how God, you know, passed over the sins of the people. And they're rehearsing this. And Jesus is drawing their attention to him. And he's saying, I am this great Passover lamb. What I'm about to do on the cross for you, essentially tomorrow, I'm doing it for you. And you know what Luke shows us that happens right after Jesus says that? They get in a fight. <laughs> and you know what the disciples fought about at the Lord's Supper? Seats. Who's the greatest? I mean, they just, they just had the Passover with Jesus, and Luke's like, then they start turning each other. It's like, who's the greatest among us? Who's going to be the best in the kingdom? Who's going to sit really close to Jesus? Right? They totally missed what Christ was saying. So I don't want you to miss that this morning. Because what we're about to celebrate is beautiful. It's so rewarding and so awesome to remember what Christ has given us so that we may have him. And what Christ has laid down for us and what it cost him and what it ought to cost us. And what it ought to cost us is to say, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be that spirit-filled Christian that's going to do whatever I can do to build up your faith. And so I'm going to invite you this morning just to pray with me. And just with your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment, I'm going to invite you to take a moment and examine your heart and your mind. Maybe just ask the Lord just very honestly this morning, God, what is filling me today? What's filling me? And, and listen, if, it, if it's that anger, that jealousy, that lust, that sin, whatever it is, you feel that's got control over your heart, it's got control over your mind, you, just, you need to name it. You need to ask the Lord to forgive you and start pursuing the Holy Spirit and His filling. What's controlling you? 
Maybe today is for you to come know this Jesus that we're celebrating. The Bible says that it is Christ who is the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. He's that perfect sacrifice. He's the one who forgives you, gives you joy in your life, forgiveness of sin and direction and purpose. And everything you've been looking for is coming right to this very moment at the foot of this man by the name of Jesus. He's a good God. Maybe right now you need to just call out to him and say, I'm ready to be a Christian. I'm ready to follow Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. You can do that just right where you are in your home, in this place. Use your own words. Or you could pray along with me something like this. Dear God, I'm ready to be a Christian. I'm ready to follow Christ with my life. I believe he's the Lord and Savior of my life that I've been looking for. Father, I thank you for who you are. And Lord, I I thank you that this morning we can remember that great cost of our salvation. And Lord, the, the good things that you call us into, you call us into your kingdom, you call us into spirit filled living, you call us out of darkness into light. And so, Father, I pray as Ephesians 5 1 says that we walk as children of the light, being imitators of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And again, this.